0: Hey, everyone, before we start the show, a couple quick announcements. First, this episode of the Industrial Marketing Show is sponsored by BAM Sales, awesome sales enablement platform for industrial companies made for manufacturers, made for marketing and manufacturing companies. Check them out at BAMSales.io. Also, our friends at Machine Metrics, Graham Emmerman, episode number nine raised a big round of funding today. So congratulations to Graham, congratulations to the Machine Metrics team, and congratulations potentially to one of you because they've got some awesome marketing job opportunities opening up, including a marketing comms manager and a product marketing manager role. So Machine Metrics, really cool company in the industrial space, growing super fast. Based out of Boston, the roles are totally remote. If you're interested in applying, Hit up Graham Immerman on LinkedIn or go straight to the Machine Metrics website and let him know that the Industrial Marketing Show sent you. All right, let's get started with the episode.
1: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Industrial Marketing Show, the number one podcast for marketers in the manufacturing space. MJ, we have HubSpot on the podcast today. I'm so excited.
0: He's excited. He's excited. Definitely. Well, I'm excited. I think this will be a really, uh, I think this will be a really useful episode for some of you out there who uh, might might listen to this podcast and might be like, um, this all sounds really cool, but I cannot get buy-in for this. So that's what we're going to talk about today. How do you get buy-in? for your company to like invest in the tools you need to succeed. To help us do this, we have on the show uh, Carl Ferreira, who is an account exec at HubSpot. Carl, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, hey, thanks for having me, super pumped. What's up, Carl? What's up?
0: So to, to kind of like get us started here, I thought I would reminisce a little bit on, uh, on when I was actually a product manager at a, at a water quality sensor manufacturer in LA. And, uh, my now boss, Chris Walker was kind of like a mentor of mine at the time. And he had done all this, this cool stuff at this medical device company, like generating tons of demand. I would see him post about it on its Instagram every once in a while. And like one time he, he got on a call with me and we were talking about like, what should we do next? Like, I kind of knew how to do SEO, but I wanted to get to the next level. Like I'm generating all this traffic. Like, what do I do now? I don't want to just keep doing SEO forever. And he's like, oh, like, look at this HubSpot, like, here's my dashboards. And I remember just being like, oh my God, look at these dashboards with like, this is the number of leads I'm doing and this is the revenue. And I thought it was like incredible. It was like, I hadn't never seen this before. And then I went to the website and I was like, oh my God, it's $800 a month. And my, 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 my budget at the time was like, whatever I could get away with, like sneaking onto the company credit card. And I was like, I'm never going to get them to buy this, but I, you know, was all over the website, like consuming all their content. And because HubSpot has an awesome inbound marketing strategy, I had a sales rep reach out to me. And this sales rep, um, bless her heart, Caitlin Castor, uh, shepherded me through the whole process. And we ended up actually buying it. And I was so happy and we we crushed it. We generated so much demand for that company. Um, and I've bought it at every single company since. So uh, if it weren't for her help, I don't think I would have been able to pull that off. So what what, what I want to talk about today is if you're an industrial company and you don't have the tools that you want yet, how do you um, kick off that buying process? How can you be a successful champion? And how can you partner with the sales rep on the other side to get this done inside your company? And Carl sells to a ton of manufacturing companies. So he sees this process play out day in and day out. Um, So Carl, I want to just kick things off with like, what are some of the strategies that when you're working with people in your experience seem to work well? What is the experience life? What can people expect if they want to if they want to get this process started inside their own company?
2: Yeah, that's great. And MJ, obviously, just thank you. Right. I mean, buying HubSpot at every single you know, organization that you've been with. Just awesome. So appreciate you know, your support. Um, yeah, I think to answer your question, some of the things that work well, you know, the one word that comes to mind, which is very HubSpotty uh, but is alignment, right? Like just, I see a lot of champions just struggle to align with their sales rep. There's almost, I don't, I don't know if I want to call it nervousness, but they I can feel this tension or anxiety because they know that they're, they want this right. And they know their organization needs this change and they need the right tools and they've got big dreams but they're unsure or maybe they've been shot down before by their executive team on other purchases and things like that. So like there's this nervousness there. I would say the first, my first bit of advice, you know, is just to align with your sales rep and talk through it, you know, almost like a counseling session, you know, talk through that experience. Have you bought things before? What was that like? Why did that purchase get approved or denied for a sales rep like me? That's really, really valuable information because that's going to shape. We need to do. We need to try something different if it didn't work before, right? So that's going to start to shape and craft the strategy that I'm going to build together with my champion, not without them and not apart for them, but with them, as we take and, and and make a case for you know what what for most manufacturing companies is major is major change, right? And that's the first thing that I think you know, these conversations have to surround is like, we're not really selling HubSpot we're selling. And this change this transformation, a different way to do business, right? We're, we're, we're moving from trade shows. We're moving from um, just nurturing relationships and whoever was in the CEO's Rolodex, right. And, and that, that, have, you know, we've CEOs known these people for decades, right. We're moving away from that to this educational, content marketing inbound marketing and like we have to focus on selling that first and why that would be an important transition for this organization and hubspot naturally kind of just checks all the boxes after that but so just that mindset shift aligning with your rep and understanding that you're not really selling hubspot to your leadership you're selling this big change um and that that changes dramatically how you approach this internal sale that has to happen
1: yeah, so I'll uh, I'll jump in with my story about how I landed HubSpot, and then I'll ask my question really quickly. So, I first got HubSpot in 2016. I was working for a welding company. Most people on this show know that welding company. I talk about it all the time. Abacor Binzel. I actually got introduced to HubSpot about a year and a half prior. Um, found them when I was working for a construction company, and was like, "This is a really cool software. I kind of want to see more about this." So. This is back when HubSpot was doing a lot of grow with HubSpot events around the country. So they had one in Washington, DC, where they had a lot of current customers come on and do a panel on you know, what it's like to kind of grow with grow your marketing. And I just looked this person's up, this person's name up on LinkedIn because I want to call him out. Uh, he probably doesn't listen to the show, but this guy, Walter Pollard, who uh, ran an agency called Brand Fusion and is now the founder of something called the Sales Enablement Society, is on the board of advisors. Uh, he got up and was espousing the benefits of HubSpot. Uh, Walter, like six years ago, was talking about talking to your customers. All right. So like, this not a foreign concept we talk about all the time. But um, anyway, I met uh, HubSpot rep uh, Matthew Hamber, who Carl and I actually... Carl knows Matt Hamber. So shout out Matt Hamber for getting me on HubSpot now and forever. Um, and so uh, what I did, Matt was nice enough to come up to my the welding company and you know do the whole you know, pitch deck and everything like that. And we talked to Marketo and we talked to Pardot and we also had Salesforce and we were getting adoption with Salesforce. Salesforce wasn't going away for us either as a sales CRM. So we, I was invariably having to sell a a marketing CRM, a new way of doing marketing, as you said, Carl. And the first person I wanted to get on board with that was my freaking sales director. So (laughs) I went to my sales director internally and I made sure he knew exactly why I wanted to do this and exactly how he stood to benefit and exactly how his team stood to benefit. And when I got him behind it, um, and once he had the confidence that the Salesforce integration was strong enough, then we both went to our president with the HubSpot rep, sold it on him. And so this guy basically had... you know is his entire revenue epicenter saying, look, we need marketing visibility and, and a marketing CRM to integrate into Salesforce and pass leads off. We can't just rely on our one major trade show that we do every year in order to funnel leads to the sales teams. We need to be working on creating demand 24-7, 365. And we need a marketing CRM that can support that effort across those channels. And so um, yes, the $800 price tag was pricey for sure. But you know, we simply just made the we simply just made the case that we will by far exceed marketing sourced pipeline and sales uh, through this than we will ever be able to track before. So that was how we were able to make make uh, make our case. And so I guess for me, if you're a marketer and you're wanting to try to get HubSpot or any CRM tool, but let's talk specifically about HubSpot here, you need to get the whoever is in charge of sales at your organization behind it, and so involve them early in the process and make sure that their selfish benefit which is making sure their sales team gets fed leads that are qualified and ready um is 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 communicated to them clearly and that will once you have that champion going to your president with you becomes a lot easier to sell the crm yeah so,
2: Matt, my that's question. huge yeah i was just going to add like that's that's huge like not only aligning with your sales rep but other so, uh, unfortunately, silos, but other other you know departments and verticals that generate mm-hmm. revenue uh, in your organization aligning with them because something like marketing automation—it's not just for marketers, right? Inbound marketing right. is forever. It makes sales reps' life a lot easier when I can see what my prospects are doing and I can understand right um, what it is that's driving those really really good fits and those best sales conversations. That's compelling, and now you're creating this snowball of compelling miss if i can make up a word to then Mm -hmm. bring to the executive team so yeah
1: it goes to to internal marketing a lot like i think not only did i go after my sales director like he had sales leads you know we had a team of 12 you know this you work in industrial you know you have you have you have your regional sales managers and then they usually they get potted up and there's there's a kind of person that sits above them i went to every single one of them and like personally sold them one-on-one on what marketing serum would do for them in terms of giving them Visibility, just-in-time delivery, like information on demand, all the stuff that they wanted at their fingertips in order to make a very educated follow-up cadence and sequence with the customer. And so, like you know, it's not just getting your sales director; it's making sure that the people who report to the sales director are also on board with it. And so, you got to keep working your way down. All right, now to my question. Um, <laughs> after my my after my diatribe there, so uh, I want to get into like. Common objections from non-marketers and industrial companies, you probably run into this a lot in your time. And so, and I know the first question I, I got when I went to my president about this was, what's the ROI gonna be? What's the RI gonna be? Everyone's gonna talk about it in the framework of ROI, you know? Like how fast are we yeah. gonna get payback on a on a tool like this? Will that will that payback escalate? You know? So how how do you I mean, I want to paint the picture of who you're prob- who who is probably listening to this and thinking about bringing CRM up, marketing CRM, marketing sales CRM or marketing and sales CRM up to their president. This is probably a one or two person team, probably someone who has one to three, maybe up to five years experience, someone who definitely feels that they know this works, but maybe is going to struggle to articulate it because they haven't quite had a revenue minded marketing operation before. So tell me a little bit, and, and you know the objections you're gonna get, and 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 you know the kind of person who's gonna have to communicate this to them. What are some of the objections you would anticipate? How would you recommend answering those?
2: Yeah, great question. And you, I mean, you said the number one objection, it's exactly what I was gonna say. So first thing every CEO asks, the marketer or me directly, if I have the pleasure of that kind of access, it's like, what's the ROI on this? And it's a loaded question, right? Because typically I ask them well, you know, especially in manufacturing, it's like a lot of times the product product is extremely expensive. So it's, it's interesting because a lot of times I'll, you know, I'll kind of counter and be like, well, you know, let's get into that, you know, in order to calculate ROI, what give me an average sale price, sales cycle, right? I get into some basic sales metrics. And a lot of times it's like, oh, we sell these this widget that we build, or this machine or this product, and it's like hundreds of 1000s of dollars. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So a lot of times you think, Oh, well, this isn't going to be an easy sale, right? If I get you one twelfth of a deal, uh, you know, HubSpot pays for itself for the next 10 years. But you quickly find out it's not good enough, right of an answer. And so you have to dig in because then then now you know the, the CEO's you know real objection isn't ROI, right? Because you just kind of made like an ROI case. There's tons of studies out there that show inbound marketing can generate, even HubSpot. have We have our own stuff where we've had independent con- consultants come in and say, on average, in these industries, these size companies, we do this when they use HubSpot properly. Um, so what I come to find out is that's really a mask, that that objection of, of uh, well, what's the ROI? It's a mask for uncertainty. They Mm -hmm. just don't understand what this is to begin with. So naturally, the first thing that they just lean back on is, oh, I don't know, what's the ROI? We'll get this guy out of here, the sales rep. We'll we'll squash this project. They won't have to hear about this anymore. If we just ask the ROI, they won't have an answer. But once you do some more digging, you really realize that the CEO is just not a marketing-minded person. That's not their job, right? They come from an engineering or a product background. So, you know, it takes... You dig in a little bit more into that ROI question is how I address it. And and again, what you in a really long winded way here, what what you come out at the other side with is they just don't understand what really this investment is doing. Like ROI is like at the end of this journey, okay, we'll get ROI. But at the beginning, they don't understand what this is. So one of the challenges that I notice a lot of champions, they try to get HubSpot or whatever, some other marketing automation system implemented and they go to their CEO and leadership and like, we just need more inbound leads, you know, and they use all this marketing terminology that doesn't resonate. And then these projects are dead in the water before they've even really gotten started. Right. So that's to answer your question. That's definitely the biggest one. After that, it can get technical, you know, the integrate with this ERP or that or this, but it's at the heart of it is I don't understand this. And then that's where the conversation typically ends unfortunately if you're if you're not aligned you know with a good rep and you're not ready for a little bit of a fight as a champion you know this takes time and takes sure. digging
1: yeah the, the i know you have something to say mj is it going to be about erp because i was about to bring it up i
0: know we we should talk about erp <laughs> um let's let's come back to erp that one. um but i i do want to like uh, backtrack a little bit because I think that this conversation with the CEO or even if it's the sales director making the decision is like such a critical conversation, but it's probably like a second or a third step in the sales process if you're doing it right. So just like thinking about the people listening to this, if you're about to embark on this journey, what you want to do is use the first call and maybe the second call to like strategize with your rep like how are we gonna work together to make sure that that CEO conversation or that sales director conversation goes really really well mm-hmm. so like what is a what is a good first call or discovery call look like where like you're strategizing with the champion effectively for that kind of critical next step with the CEO or the decision maker
2: yeah I think the first step is making sure that the champion is first comfortable. Like the champion has to get sold on, in my case, HubSpot first. This will never go anywhere if the champion doesn't know deep down in his or her heart that this product, whatever it is, HubSpot in this case, is the product that's going to bring change and value to the organization. So really, there's like a pre-sale that has to happen. There's no need to rush to the CEO. I always say like, slow it down. A lot of times champions come in and they're like, I want to get this done because they're frustrated. There's emotions. They're, they're exhausted. They're like producing content. They're doing all this work. They're posting on each social channel independently. They're having to do brochures and set up trade. Like they're tired. So they want this to go fast. And a lot of times I always have to sort of politely and professionally, of course, like slow it down. Like, hey, we got to slow down to speed up or this isn't going to get done. So let's focus first on your business. Let's get your numbers. You'd be amazed by how many champions I talk to and they don't know like their their own funnel math, right? Like mm-hmm. how many leads do you get? How many of those leads talk to sales? How many of those like basic metrics, they're not prepared even with an initial call with me. So it's like, we got to start at the beginning and slow down so we can speed up and it makes it a lot smoother at the end.
1: Yeah, one thing I'll add to that: if you are a marketer wanting to try to sell a sixteen thousand dollar a year investment in a marketing CRM, maybe start small first. I remember before I was at when I was at Binzel before I was able to really make the case for HubSpot, I worked off of Unbounce for like four or five months, and I just built landing pages and and basically housed content there and just drove drove the little bit of paid ad budget I had to those pages to get people to convert on eBooks. And when I was able to get, you know, 18, 20, 25 leads a month off of that, I was able to go to my director of sales and go, Hey, look, we're spending, you know, a hundred bucks a month on this. And I'm able to get this and I'm having to manually pass it off to my sales team to follow up. And this works like I'm getting leads. Okay. But I have no visibility after the fact, you know, they're either not getting into Salesforce or it's it's like, there's a time or data lag on it, or there's just zero visibility on it. But I'm basically like bootstrapping this just to show you that it works. If we, if we were to make a serious investment in this kind of program, we would be able to accelerate this effort and get a lot more visibility into it. So sometimes just rolling with a bootstrapped effort to start with, just to prove it, just to give yourself a use case, really gives you a lot of credence when you want to go to them with a plan to spend more money and, and, and blow that kind of program out.
0: Yeah, uh, I I really like what you said, Carl, about slowing down and like understanding your actual lead funnel metrics. It's actually kind of hard to understand your lead funnel metrics if you don't have something like HubSpot in place. Yeah. Like that's one of the values that it adds. Um, but what I always do when I when I want to get something sold internally is like I approach the discovery call as I know it's the salesperson's job to ask me good questions, but like I will volunteer as much helpful information as I possibly can, and then I will let them organize and strategize like how are we gonna now position this to the rest of the company, and what else do you need from me um it It honestly just makes my life easier, but I don't think a lot of champions know that you can approach it that way,
1: yeah. I think yeah, the other a- thing is like, is sorry, it's just to, just to document it, like, like write up a plan for like, like, this is this is the this is basically a proposal for getting a marketing serum and what it will do. Like I was I basically just gave had something written and prepared for them to read ahead of time and we were able to cover it. And so it really just kind of documented what what to expect us to get out of it, what the what the investment outlay looked like. What we would gain as a result from a business standpoint and sort of KPIs that we were going to look at over the first six, 12, 18 months. So I would say documenting that case for yourself as well, to give them the look at ahead of time. My president and my director of sales both looked at that extensively and we were able to cover it, it made the conversation to have about the investment a lot easier because we were able to go over that document and it was just essentially there to sit um, to justify it for them.
2: Yeah. I mean, you guys are the champion of champions. If, if every champion was like you guys, uh, my life would be a lot easier. Right. But I mean, again, it goes back to that first word I brought up alignment. Yeah. Like, you know, discovery calls, I hate it when they feel like a waterboarding session, you know, but a lot <laughs> of times champions really do like, they just hold back, you know, information. And I, and look that's any seller that that is half decent is going to take responsibility for that right this is a stranger I, it's my job to build that trust and transparency so that you're you know open to that but get there as fast as you can because if you're partnered with a good seller you guys can really crush it together and just give me that data don't make me ask for it what are your numbers? You don't know them all, great, call that out. Like, what don't we know? I can probably help you to figure out like how to find those numbers. Like, let me into Google Analytics. I'll knock this out in five minutes and, and we'll have all the math that we need, right? Um, so align with, again, your your salesperson. Uh, that document you just talked about, man. I've made a custom one before. I have a custom one that I use. Like 5% of buyers actually fill it out. But the buyers that do fill it out, guess what? It's in Google. We fill it out, it looks nice. I add links to like pieces of demos that I've done with a team. And then once it gets to the end, I click share. And now we're sharing with the executive team. And there's like all this wonderful work that's done. There's all these numbers. And then the executive team, like, just putting in that, um, that amount of effort, which isn't really that much effort, but it just looks like a big lift. Um, it shows the executive team before they even know what the heck is going on. It shows them like, you're serious as a champion. Like this is real. You've put in a lot of effort, um, which I think moves the needle. I've never been the CEO of a manufacturing company, but if my marketer came to me, even if I had no idea what was going on, what marketing even was, or inbound marketing, I saw this level of effort. I mean, you're already get you already got ten points with me. You know, like I'm paying attention, um, and it's again slowing down to speed up. These are steps that are skipped because buyers again are tired, rightfully so. They're in a rush and they don't know the steps um and so here they are right uh, the, some good best practices to align with your rep mj you were going to say something
0: yeah i was just going to say honestly like I think a lot of a lot of buyers don't understand that they, like, it seems like a lot to ask for, like, hey, sales rep, can you make me a custom blah, 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 right? But actually, like, that's that's a sales rep's job, and, and they probably have, like, templates for that, because they do this all day, right? Millions. So ask them for something, and, and they probably, it's probably easier for them to create it than for you, so don't be afraid to ask for that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah and at the end of the day, like, that shows me as a seller also that, like, you're committed to this too. So I'm going to go, like, I'm going to work hours for you because I'm like, MJ is serious. She's not just kicking the tires. Um, it's trust, right? This is all just relationships. When I see MJ putting in this kind of effort and wants this level of detail, like, I'm like, oh, shoot, MJ is serious. Like, I'm I'm going to invest time after dinner tonight. I'm going to go and sit at my desk and I'm going to build the nicest deck that that company has ever seen, you know? Um, so again, it's all trust and buy-in, right, from each other. And a lot of these things, they score points so
1: right uh, Carl I want to get into something about uh, expectation setting when it comes to that kind of investment I think it's, it's kind of the ROI question but I think as a as a as a champion within a within an organization I think it's important to do expectation setting around investing in a marketing CRM and sort of to set like look this is kind of how this is going to play out just because we're buying this doesn't mean it's panacea there's additional work that goes into it uh, how do you how do you work with um, the marketing manager to do that expectation setting with the CEO of the, um, of the, uh, of the company.
2: So I maybe missed your question there, just expectation setting around results and value, like time to Mm -hmm. value types of, yeah, correct. Man, honestly, Matt, like I see whenever a company transitions from what I'll call a legacy marketing strategy, Um, I don't like to use the word old school, but I just used it. You just did. We'll say legacy marketing strategy or sales strategy. Honestly, the results are pretty dramatic, like really fast. Like if I I sell into a very sophisticated manufacturing company or software company, the results, right, can be a little bit more, um, like it's a little bit finer, right? Um, It's a little bit smaller, a little bit more iterative, but a manufacturing company It's like, it's kind of like if you haven't gone to the gym in 10 years and you're, you know, a little bit, you know, out of it and, you know, the dad bod is flowing, you hit the gym and you lose like 10 pounds, like super fast, right? That's the same thing that I see with these organizations where they just create like one or two conversion funnels, like a form with a couple automated emails that route straight to the rep. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, we just opened up a whole bunch of ops or they send one email blast, a good one based on data to their current CRM. There's so much gold in a manufacturing company's current CRM where it's like half the CRM Mm -hmm. doesn't even know that there's new products, right? Um, And new things that the manufacturing company is doing. So a lot of times it really doesn't take a lot. A big lift. And I will leave, uh, we'll move on to the next point. I want to say one more thing. When you find a good software company to work with, AKA HubSpot, and you come and you are dedicated, you're ready to rock, you're a good fit. Well, I've knocked this out in a trial where we've shown results and the company hasn't paid a dime. Right. There's companies out there like HubSpot that really allow it get you getting get in very easy. Right. You can send emails and use forms like uh, and build landing pages with HubSpot's free tools. But you get me on the uh, you get me on the horn. We're going to open up a full trial and I'm going to do it with you. So you're going to get my expertise, my knowledge, my best practices, and I'm just going to help you build stuff out. So instead of decks. We're presenting a dashboard now to the executive team of results that have already happened I've made you money before you've exchanged any of that for me that's where it gets really powerful and really fun honestly so yeah
0: yeah that's uh, that's awesome too and, and I, you're willing to do that for those, those people that demonstrate that they're bought in and, and demonstrate that they're gonna make this happen so it's another cool cool angle to play yeah um, you actually brought up the old CRM as a gold mine. For uh, manufacturers, and I think that is uh, a great transition into our next point, which is sometimes there's a a little extra complexity or like a two part sale where it's like, well, we already have a CRM, and uh, and I've been in this situation twice. Both times we we're using Dynamics CRM, which is terrible user experience. No offense, Microsoft, or maybe maybe offense no, intended, offense Microsoft. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, like like. Execs have a hard time seeing like how how is this gonna be any better than the old CRM where they start comparing like features and, and pricing. And I'm like, it's better because it's easier to use. So then people actually use it mm. and there's good support, right? That's that's kind of the conversation I get into, but um how how have you seen that play out when when somebody's struggling to like also convince the team we got to move off this old system and try something new can
1: i add an addendum to that question also so not yeah. just dynamics because we run into this with our own clients we're a hubspot gold uh partner uh my agency carl uh shout out yeah. joe g76 um but like we run into we run into clients who have proprietary crms they built it themselves yeah. And so like, how do you, and, and that's that's something that, you know, these companies have invested time, money and resource in and usually have an IT team who's manning it. So how do we, how do you broach that discussion on top of the legacy dynamic style CRM?
2: Yeah, proprietary is definitely tougher because now you're challenging somebody's baby, right? That they spent yep. 20 years building. So that that is a tougher lift. I'm not going to speak for all marketing automation uh, platforms, but HubSpot specifically, I can usually kind of, navigate that um objection if you want to call that because you're not really forced to use our crm right or actually you are forced to use our free crm you're not required to entirely move off of yours so it's important for the champion the marketer in this case to understand that that we can probably actually push off that second sale um if we make sure we're well articulate and position something like HubSpot properly, where it's like, you know what? You wanna keep that CRM? That's fine, we're gonna need an integration. And if it's proprietary, I don't even know if you have like an API built out, so it could be ugly. Um, And a lot of times that's where it's like, is the juice worth the squeeze there to build a a big nasty integration like that? Um, Now with something like Dynamics, again, it's, it's really important to dig into like why they're sold on that and why they wouldn't want to move. You talk, and usually it's because the CEO doesn't really even go into dynamics. They're like, oh, the sales team's fine. But then you go talk to the sales team and they're like, we haven't logged in there in like 18 months. We just like are in Gmail, you know, we just have our contacts in our phone. So to go back to the very beginning of the podcast here in our conversation, you said it, I think, Matt, like, or, or maybe you you had said it, MJ, one of you had said like align with the sales team, Right. A lot of times I'll go and I'll talk to the sales team, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Dynamics. Do we do we still have that?" I've had cases where like they actually canceled it and migrated off of it, and we're like in Excel, and the CEO didn't even know they like didn't use Dynamics anymore. So right. there's there's so it, again, so it's like digging in um, if you've got an old CRM, but choose a tool like HubSpot that is flexible, you know, and that kind of allows and doesn't force uh, you know a, a, a migration per se like that so i hope that that was clarifying i know it was a lot of different I, I, I
1: also would add to that like look i mean we made the case of this at the welding company like we were like do we want visibility into the health of our business from a revenue standpoint or do we not and it's just yeah. like well if we do then we need to make an, a requisite investment in a marketing and sales CRM to see that you know and so that's in, invariably why we ended up investing in both HubSpot and Salesforce, especially because we wanted visibility into how well marketing was doing, where it was falling short, where it needed to be improved upon, what channels were producing the best results for us. You know, you're not going to know unless you're able to measure it, right? And right. so it's just the other thing is like, just the reporting capability you get out of HubSpot is just from a marketing standpoint, basically unmatched. I mean, I haven't met a marketing reporting tool as good as HubSpot. Um, and in my, in my years, marketing, I'm, I mean, Salesforce definitely builds really good sales dashboards and I built plenty of really good reports out of and dashboards out of Salesforce as well. But if I want to see, you know, source and drill downs and, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, just the, the visibility into the health of your marketing with HubSpot, it's just, it's fantastic. I, I, I can't speak highly enough about it. And so when I was making the case I said, we, my sales director and I were both like, look, does this allow us to see how well our programs are doing and make changes based off of it? in like in a much faster way than if we were consolidating it on a monthly quarterly basis, the answer was obviously yes. And so that made, that made the investment worthwhile for both of us.
0: I'll, I'll add another thing that maybe marketers don't necessarily know, which is a lot of VPs of sales and directors or senior managers of sales teams have a hard time getting their reps to use the CRM. Like they yeah. have heard like, it's good to have my reps use the CRM. I'll get better pipeline visibility, but they like tried it. It didn't work. Adoption fell flat. Like they would be super happy to have marketing get in there and help them get the reps yeah. to use CRM and incentivize it. Like I was the I was the person who helped partner with the VP and like drive adoption of CRM at both the companies. Like that's an incentive for the salesperson to come to the table and and get this done with you.
1: Yep,
2: and again, sure. align with your sales rep, because I've done so many demos where they're not even demos. It's just like, Hey, just get all the sales team on a call. And I'm literally just going to show them what I do all day long. And a lot of times those sellers are like, I didn't even know that this world was here. Like you can see page, like when we're on the pricing page, we can see like, that is a game changer for so many reps because they don't even know when their best fit prospects are on a product page that they've been calling for forever. Right. So it, To go to your point, Matt, that you brought up earlier, like that time to value, it takes like tiny little features that are like available in HubSpot free to like massively change the game for some of these organizations that are still operating on a legacy sales and marketing strategy.
0: Yeah, I'll never forget our our most senior sales rep who did like $2 million a year in his territory, which was a lot for our business, might not be a lot for other businesses, was like so pumped that when he like completed a task in HubSpot that it like had a pop-up that prompted him to create a new task to like follow up two weeks later. He's like, this is great. Like I can remember to do stuff now. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like, yep. Tiny little features I, like um, that are game changers so often. And you just don't find out if you don't dig in. And we assume that we need to like reinvent the wheel. And a lot of times it's like, we really don't. A couple of tweaks and you're going to close – more business over the next 18 months and you're going to wish you would have bought something like HubSpot a decade ago, you know? So.
1: Yep. I want to end with uh, the, the, probably the hairiest question of them all, which is the ERP system because this question gets asked often and it's not, I, I have not met a CRM that really does a really nice job going into an ERP system. So, I want you to speak a little bit to this. Th- this is an objection. This is an objection. Yeah. This is frankly an opportunity for any any CRM that's able to create an ERP integration. Um, but like speak a little bit to the ERP question that usually comes up in the sales process.
2: Yeah. It's a really tough one. It usually comes like after everybody's bought in at the organization and then like the IT director just wants to come in and like just make like double check and then they bring up the ERP. Um, it's a very challenging one, especially if like your ERP. If your ERP is like Netsuite or something, like it's not a big deal. Um, but if you've got something like on-prem, like some people still have stuff that's like on-prem, like the the organization has to make a choice, right? They're like, and a lot of times the argument I make is like Salesforce or Excel or Outlook isn't integrated into your ERP. So how important really is it? to integrate? Like, can we not get a ton, a ton of value from something like HubSpot apart from, you know, the ERP? So that's kind of what the first thing that I'm thinking about is really challenging, like the priority, right? Like how important is this? How much value would we get from this? Because anything is possible with enough time and money, right? Mm And if they really want to go the ERP route and integrate it, again, it's really just kind of a confidence sale after that. And HubSpot's got the resources to consult on it. We've got partners like you, Matt, that can that can knock it out. Um, You know, it it really kind of starts with can we integrate or not integrate with ERP. Often it's no, there's no really it's not it's not out of the box really ever or native, right? Like other things. Mm -hmm. And then the second question is, what value do we gain? from our inventory and accounting system connecting to HubSpot depends on who you ask. Right. Um, And a lot of the times, once you really kind of get to the bottom of it, there's really not a major value add. So I think it's important for the champion to early on kind of understand, like, we don't want to like stay away from the topic. We want to address it transparently, but we want to be prepared to show the value of a marketing automation and an inbound marketing apart from back-end systems that you know don't necessarily have much to do with, with marketing or sales. MJ, what do you think about that coming from your perspective?
0: I think um, there is a potential easy uh, hack or mindset shift that can help you get around the ERP system. Um, I think one of the big problems, the reason that manufacturers get hung up on the ERP system is because most manufacturers don't book revenue until they've shipped the order. So even if you've got the you've got the purchase order, you need to build it and ship it, which is and that gets tracked in the in the ERP. So what you want to do is talk about how getting visibility into your pipeline and doing better sales and marketing will improve order intake. And don't talk about revenue, talk about order intake, because order intake is extremely meaningful for a manufacturer, and you don't need the ERP to to track order intake. Like the order intake is tracked in the ERP, but you can, you can track order intake in HubSpot and track your pipeline and how many things are turning into orders. And it, and, and you don't need to link it unless order intake to revenue is a big problem for you, which it isn't necessarily for every business. So in my last company, we always talked about order intake, like sales was talking about order intake. They're accountable to order intake, like operations is accountable to revenue in, in a, manufacturing business so we're talking about sales and marketing here let's talk about order intake and the erp thing becomes a null point
1: yeah for us we would use the language of bookings but basically the exact same thing like what were our bookings for this month what were our bookings for the quarter versus what was shipped and we're actually counting as as sales yep
2: love that yeah that's a really powerful nugget um and exactly why i think a lot of sellers in my space especially like struggle. To sell into manufacturing. It's just like understanding the nuances of that kind of language can completely change the game. And to what I said before, like, where's the line of value? You know, uh, let's understand what value, like, what do you mean by revenue? What do you mean by order intake? Like understanding the process. And this starts with the champion, you know, because your seller might not be super well versed in manufacturing. So this is where the champion has to come in and be like, hey, Carl, one thing to note, here's how our ops work internally. And then the seller. Can take that and be like, cool, we just really like saved ourselves a lot of pain here by deep, more deeply understanding the business and how it works operationally. Yeah, that's gold. Love that.
0: Yeah, per- totally. So um, I just want to wrap up, like highlight some of the key things that we talked about here, right? If you are a marketer and you want to sell this kind of stuff internally, understand that it, you're selling a transformation and how to go to market, not a specific software internally and because you are selling a transformation how to go to market you need to slow down and look at it as a business decision and seriously like take the permission to lean heavily on your sales rep and partner with them um, because you might think that you're asking a lot of them, but uh, they're happy to work with people that really are invested in the process. So Carl, uh, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing these insights uh, and giving us your time this afternoon.
2: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.
1: All right. You can catch The Industrial Marketing Show on all of the major podcasting platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. Please subscribe to The Industrial Marketing Show. Please leave us a five-star review. Please leave us a written review. Please hit up Carl and the team at HubSpot if you want to talk marketing CRMs for your business. Um, please hit up if you want to tell us how great we are or how great we are not. And if you have any um, suggestions for topics or want to be a guest on the show, our LinkedIn DMs, as usual, are always open. So with that, I am Matt.
0: And I am MJ.
1: And this is the Industrial Marketing Show. Thank you all so much for your time. Have a great rest of your day.